Hey guys, welcome to episode 17 of the Produce Common Sense Podcast. My sincerest apologies for slacking so much. It kind of got busy during harvest. I don't really, and life in general, and trying to run a farm and packing shed and sell onions and everything else. Uh, welcome to my little sister. My name's Bailey. Everyone calls me Bea. We are here, and what my catalyst was for this conversation was a tweet, a very recent tweet, October the 19th, from uh, a right wing, which normally I don't think that I'm in here terrible things from the right wing about farmers, uh, from a right wing uh, famous person. You might have heard of Ann Coulter. Um, you want to read that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Farmers around the world, we'd still be sweeping instead of vacuuming. And washing our clothes in rivers instead of washing machines. Why should Americans be forced to subsidize this one industry's refusal to move into the 1900s? Okay, so there's two things we need to address here. Maybe three, but two for sure. One, we need to talk about subsidies and why we have them. And two, we need to talk about why... Well, okay, and what is she referring to here specifically? If you're not following the media today... Uh, just the 19th, the USDA and Biden administration announced a loan forgiveness program for about 30,000 U.S. farmers to the tune of about $101,000 each for those farmers. And those are SBA loans, uh, loans that small, very small and beginning and minority farmers get when they're starting. So when I started and first came back to the farm, I could have gotten an SBA loan. So they're, they're small loans to small operators at higher interest rates. Um, and they're fairly common, but not overutilized. And so that's what the commentary was about. Um, and then in general, she's talking about subsidies, why there's subsidies in agriculture and why we need them in certain circumstances, we need them. And I understand the angst. I understand the frustration and there's, there's nuances to this. There's a time and a place for subsidies and there's reasons to have them, but there's plenty of reasons not to. And this loan forgiveness program, frankly, for me, is problematic because who are you helping? It's a lot like the student loan program. You're, you're paying and subsidizing or forgiving loans of people who are underperforming and who didn't do their job paying off their loans on time. Has the student loan thing ticked you off? Oh, it really upset me, actually. <laughs> I worked really hard to go through school and pay for it. It was fun to go to school and learn, but then to work hard enough before school to pay for school and then have other people get school paid for. Plus, you had the ability hard. to work. Like, that's the truth. Like, being farm kids and growing up around the farm, we, we can eat, work more easily than some, but it was never a consideration that we were going to go to school and just rack up all this debt. Yeah, you either earned it through a scholarship of some way or you worked and saved for it. So I can understand the angst, okay, of Anne's position here, but she's right wing. Now let's go to Michael Bloomberg in 2020. And lots of people talked about his commentary about how farmers, step one, put a seed in the ground. No, step what one is, is make a hole. Oh. Step two is plant a seed. Three, add water. Four, and, and, the, and the corn just pops up, right? Just like Ann Coulter um, he, his position was, is it doesn't take intelligence or technology to be a farmer. And that, that's where I'm saying farmers are dumb. I think because, so many people think that farmers are dumb, but farmers are why I'm going to say why farmers are dumb though, because so many people, so many of you apparently think that we're dumb and, and it's because we have not communicated correctly 
We haven't, com- uh, we haven't, we haven't communicated clearly enough or concisely enough. We have not had the right messaging so that you see what we're doing, which is why I do this produce common sense podcast to try and communicate that message. So I don't want to drag this out a ton, but I do want to talk about subsidies. So I'm going to ask you, cause I'm going to put her on the spot a little bit oh, man. new in her career. Yeah. Okay. Grown up around a farm. Why do we have subsidies? I feel like this is me going back to high school. I mean, Subsidies to me allow people to have a way to be successful when otherwise they would have no path to get there. It gives them something to grow on rather than just kind of throwing them to the wolves and saying only if you have X, Y, and Z can you be successful. Okay, but I'm you're you're thinking more of a loan and I'm looking at it more of a, a true subsidy. So the corn industry, why is it subsidized? Oh, the sugar, let's do sugar. Why is the sugar industry indirectly subsidized? I'm not sure I can even answer that if I wanted to. Okay, so, <laughs> so go ahead. there's not a wrong answer, but my my argument has been for a long time. If Okay, first of all, we won't live very long without sugar in one way or another because in the food that we eat, we have to have sugar. And most of the sugar and sugar produced in the United States is produced from factories that were built during World War II. That's how old the technology is. And if you wanted to build one of those factories today, it's all custom equipment, it would take... In, in today's regulatory environment with the EPA and, and environmental standards and work standards and, and building standards, it would take a decade from start to finish. So if that industry doesn't exist and we're relying on, let's say, South America, where they produce some of the best sugar in the world, so from, from cane, okay? So sugarcane could come from South America, but if it came from South America and there's an event, imagine, okay, Look at, look at what's happening in Germany right now with their gas. Their energy is reliant on another country and they're barely going to be able to keep the lights on if they do and heat their houses this year because they've relied on another country. But you can survive without heat. You can survive without electricity. You can't survive more than a week without food. So the sugar industry in the United States, while not, it's not profitable, without help and protections from the government. They have to protect the sugar industry. And by the way, sugar is not directly subsidized. If we grow a, a field of sugar beets, we're not going to get any sort of payout or anything like that. But the sugar industry is protected. So many consider that it's subsidized. Okay, so let's just be frank. In, in one way or another, it is protected. So you could say that it's subsidized. So let's be frank, sugar is subsidized. Okay, but do we want to rely on these other countries in the event of covid Natural war, natural disaster, uh, anything like that and say, okay, well, we don't have sugar in the United States. So in 10 years, we'll figure out how to do it. We can't afford to do that. So we have to protect that industry. Wheat is a similar thing to sugar. If we don't have that protection in place for wheat production and we want to have mills and, and grain storages and tractors and equipment and farmland prepared and ready to produce that basic element that we require to live, then we better subsidize that industry as a function of security. Okay, so that's what we have to do. It's imperfect, and politics has gotten like politics always does. Instead of being a straightforward protection for the farmers, there's all these political favors and things that happen, just like, frankly, this, this bailout for these other farmers, Vilsack and Biden got together, and this is a political move. It, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the farmers that are in trouble. It has a lot more to do about the messaging that they want to portray, that they're out helping farmers. So, but it's, it really just comes down to p- 
politics. Like, and I mean politics, not for a purpose. I mean, politics for politicking. And, and that's where we're totally screwed up. And that's why we have to have these conversations and be candid as farmers, like, okay, subsidies are stupid, but farmers are dumb. And I'm going to go back to that and say that again, because we don't clearly talk about these things and confront the concerns that so many people have. And this idea, you, you wouldn't believe how many people, I wonder if you see this too on your comments, on your, on your social, you're just, you're just, uh, everything you do is I'm paying for. You're taking my tax dollars. You're doing this or that. Well, vegetable production, by the way, zero subsidies in vegetable production, which is 99% of, well, 90% of what we do. So do we get some subsidies on our farm? Yes, we do. It's minuscule. It's minute. But the, the idea that so many people think that farmers don't know what they're doing, that what we do is super simple, that we don't utilize technology and that we are fully subsidized and we really don't know how to move forward is not the case. We work on single digit margins and the subsidies that we get come through us and go to you, the consumer. The regular consumer at home is going to benefit by having, why do you think we have the cheapest food in the world in the United States? Because we're subsidized. Because the farmers are subsidized and those, pass, those, those dollars pass from the government to the farmer and back to the consumer. That's why. Otherwise, that wouldn't be the case. We would be like every other nation and we'd be spending 40, 50, 60, up to 70% of our income on food. But we don't because we do it well, effectively, efficiently, and with technology. So, Ann Coulter, I'm hard, sorry to say, is completely wrong. It's crazy to me that people think farmers are dumb when in reality they have figured out a way to continue to feed a growing population with less and less farmland. Yeah, you think about that 1%, fewer farmland, but now, now 1% of the U.S. population feeds the other 99%. Talk about the 1%. 1% feeds the 99%. We, okay, let's, let's put it this way. One farmer in the 1950s fed 40 people, and the average farmer today is feeding just over 300. I think that's the number. Yeah, I'm not perfect on the number, and, but and, it's a and big change. there's lots of farms, like the top 5%, those guys are feeding like 70 or 80% of the population. So Farmers couldn't be dumb and be as successful as we are. Like, you, you wouldn't have a washing machine without the farmer. You wouldn't have yeah, a Yeah, yeah, by the way, by the, the way, Ann, did you know that, oh, the guy's last name is Hess, Donald, I believe, but Mr. Hess, the inventor of the vacuum, was an Iowa farm boy. I thought that you might want to know that, but it just shows or exposes the, the disconnect from every aspect of society. And I hope those of you that are on the channel, I'll close with this. I hope those of you that are on the channel that are listening to the podcast can understand where I'm coming from, where, where, what I want to communicate and know that I'm doing it to be as clear and transparent and truthful as possible so that you understand these things better. And I'm not going to always get it right. I'm not always going to do it right. But if you're here, I'll try and be as clear and straightforward every time as possible because produce common sense is exactly what we're working towards. Common sense in produce and in, and in understanding where things come from and what it really takes and why we do what we do. Thanks for following along. We'll catch you guys later. <laughs>